0: Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles tonight, take them out. Turn to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 20. We're going to be reading a few verses from Joshua chapter 20 tonight. While you're doing that, let me remind you, please, uh, Sunday, be here Sunday morning, obviously. We're going to continue our series in the book of Exodus. Sunday morning also, uh, remember to start bringing candy for our fall festival. Our fall festival is uh, on the 30th of October. So that's a Wednesday night, Wednesday, October the 30th from about from 6.30 that evening until 830 Uh, We're going to have our fall festival. We'll have inflatables as we uh, do for our kids. Inflatables, plenty of candy, trunk or treat, uh, the hayride. And so we're looking forward to that in October. We'll be getting some flyers so that you can begin to advertise that, promote it in our community. We want a big turnout this year from from our community. And uh, so we're dependent upon you to help us promote it and then also to help bring in candy for that. All right? But then, uh, remember, Sunday night, we're having a night of worship here. So Sunday night, 630, we're combining with the youth. The youth and the adults going to meet here in the sanctuary. We're going to have a night of worship. And uh, so we'll have extended worship. We'll have some time of prayer as well. And so we're just looking forward to the opportunity to come together as, as the family of God, spend some time in worship and prayer here in the sanctuary as we pray for our church, as we pray for our nation. and and expect to uh, hear from God, receive from God. So remember that Sunday night as well. But over the next few weeks here on Wednesday nights, um, prior to the fall festival, so we got about five weeks, including this Wednesday night, about five weeks until uh, the fall festival, which is on the 30th. So over those next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to visit several of the cities of refuge in the Old Testament. Okay, so tonight, here's what I'm going to do tonight. um, I'm not going to keep you very long tonight. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Y'all have heard that before though, haven't you? Um, So I'm not going to keep you very long tonight. I'm going to do a brief introduction on the cities of refuge this evening. And then each week for the next four weeks, um, I'm going to highlight an individual city, one of the individual cities um, of refuge. Okay, who knows actually what a city of refuge actually is? Just raise your hand if you know what a city of, of refuge is. All right, so a few of you do. A city of refuge in the Old Testament um, is actually a city in Israel to which a person could flee. They could flee to this city if they had killed a person in an unpremeditated Manner. So if they had, we would call it manslaughter today. Not, not murder, but manslaughter. If they had killed a person in an unpremeditated manner, they were out in the, in fact, the Bible gives a couple of um, examples. You're out in the field and you're uh, cutting down a tree, you're doing work and uh, the um, blade flies off of your axe and it kills the other person. Well, then that's unpremeditated uh, manslaughter You didn't intend to kill that person, but nevertheless, that person died at your hands because of something that you did. We, like I said, we would call it manslaughter. So a city of refuge is a city that was set up in Israel to which a person that was guilty of that or that had done that had killed an individual, unpremeditated, didn't intend to kill them. Uh, they could flee to one of these cities and they could expect to be sheltered there, and they could expect to be safe from vengeance. Um, and so they, would, they themselves would not be killed by the next of kin um, of that family because in those days, they had um, a system by which it was a, um, they had an avenger of blood. So if somebody in your family was killed by somebody in another family, then it, became, it fell to the next of kin then to take vengeance on that family and kill the person that had killed your family member. And then when that happened, if if that family member went and killed a family member of another family, then the next akin of that individual, it was they were obligated to then go and kill that other person. So you could see how that would lead to um, feuding families, you know, the Hatfields and the McCoys and blood feuds in which families would just kill off um one another and so a city of refuge was a city to which a person who had committed this unpremeditated kind of um uh death they could flee to one of these cities they could expect to be safe from the vengeance of um the avenger of blood and the first mention of these cities is actually now we're going to read from joshua chapter 20 but there's several references to them we're not going to read all of those references um, but the first mention of them is actually in the book of Exodus. We're going through the book of Exodus on Sunday mornings, um, but the first mention of them is in the book of Exodus, where in the context of his law, God is giving his law to Moses and uh, to the nation of Israel. And so God says, when it, whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. So in other words, A person who commits premeditated murder, they kill somebody else intentionally, then that person ought to themselves be put to death. It says, um, but if he did not lie in wait for him, in other words, he, he didn't plan it out, he didn't mean to do it, if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. So in the book of Exodus, when God's given his law, and he is saying one of his laws was if a man kills another man, premeditated, then his his life is forfeit. But if he didn't intend to do that, he didn't lie in wait to do that. It wasn't, you know, first-degree murder, and it was manslaughter, then I'll appoint a place where he can flee and he can be safe there. So it's first mentioned in the book of Exodus, then in the book of Numbers, God begins to give some specific instructions to Moses about these um, cities and about this provision. He says, in fact, in Numbers chapter 35, again, we're going to read in in, um, the book of Joshua here in just a little while. But in Numbers 35, he says to Moses, the cities that you give to the Levites shall be six cities of refuge. So these cities would be cities that are occupied by the tribe of Levite, the priestly clan, it would be priest that would be over these cities. And in these cities, you'll permit the manslayer to flee. In addition to them, you shall give forty-two cities, and all of the cities that you give to the Levites shall be forty-eight with their pasture lands. So, in other words, the tribe of Levi, Levi would receive 48 cities in the land of Israel. The tribe of Levi did not receive a territorial allotment in Israel. In other words, they didn't receive a big parcel of land that was theirs. Instead, what they received was 48 cities that were embedded in the other tribes, in the allotments that they had received. And so he says, you'll have 48 cities in all the Levites. Six of those cities will be cities of refuge. And he continues and he says, then you shall select cities to be cities of refuge for you that the manslayer who kills any person without intent may flee there. The cities shall be for you a refuge from the avenger that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. And the cities that you, shall, that you give shall be your six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities beyond the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan to be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the people of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them that anyone who kills a person without intent may flee there. So, as I said, the tribe of Levi received 48 cities that were embedded in the other tribes of Israel, and six of those cities were to be designated as cities of refuge. And those cities are actually named in Joshua chapter 20, and that's, we're going to read Joshua chapter 20, um, and we're going to Then come back and observe a few things about these cities of refuge. All right? So, this is where, you know, Joshua, if you know your Old Testament history well enough, you know that Joshua was the one that led Israel into the promised land, led the conquest of the the promised land, and then was responsible to divide up, to parcel out the promised land to the various tribes. And so, as he's doing that, Joshua chapter 20, beginning in verse number one, you can follow along if you'd like to on the screen or in your Bible. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Say to the people of Israel, appoint the cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. And he shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of that city. Then they shall take him into the city and give him a place. And he shall remain with them, and if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not give up the manslayer into his hand, because he struck his neighbor unknowingly and did not hate him in the past. And he shall remain in that city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment, until the death of him who is high priest at the time. Then the manslayer may return to his own town and to his own home, to the town from which he fled. Verse 7, so they set apart, these were the cities, so they set apart Kadesh in Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali and Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah and beyond the Jordan east of Jericho they appointed Bezer in the wilderness on the table land from the tribe of Reuben, and Ramoth in Gilead, or Ramoth-Gilead from the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities designated from, for all the people of Israel and for the strangers sojourning among them that anyone who killed a person without intent could flee there so that he might not die by the hand of the avenger of blood till he stood before the congregation. So six cities, six cities of refuge, three of them located on the eastern side of the Jordan River, three of them located on the western side of the, the river. I've got a map. I don't know if you'll be able to see it tonight, but hopefully at least um, you'll be able to maybe sort of make it out. Can y'all see that all right? I can see it just fine up here. I don't know if y'all can or not, but... I- it looks great uh, to me. But if you'll notice, if you look generally, um, then there are, I don't know if you can see the red dots, but the red dots represent the six cities of refuge. And if you see, there's three of them on the western side of the Jordan River. There's three of them on the eastern side of the Jordan River. The first one starting up on the top on the left-hand side in that yellow portion of Naphtali is Kadesh, okay, up in the north uh, uh, on the western side of the Jordan. Then if you go down into the yellow west Manasseh portion, there's Shechem in the central portion of Israel. And then down in the south in Judah, in the brown part, is Hebron. So three on the western side of the Jordan. And then if you go across, uh, still down south in the red section of Reuben, There is Bezer in the south on the eastern side of uh, the Jordan. Then go up above that, there's Ramoth-Gilead on the border of the purple and the brown. Um, And then up in the north in east, Manasseh, is Golan. So six cities, three of them on the east side, three of them on the west side. And so we're going to cover those Cities in the next four weeks. Like I said, I'm going to take individually and speak about uh, significant. uh, But but there's six cities, only four weeks, and that's because two of two of those cities of refuge. There's really not much mentioned in God's word about those cities, and that's Bezer and Golan. and And the reason they're really not referenced much in God's word is because um, very early they actually went out. Of Israel's territory because they were captured by uh, their enemies, and so they did not remain under Israel's control for very long, so there's not a lot of history in those uh, cities, and so not much is said about those, but the the other four we're going to cover over the next four weeks, we'll talk about them um, individually and bring out some uh, some thoughts from each one of those cities. Let me make a couple of observations, uh, though, tonight about these cities of refuge. Number one, notice that, that all of the cities of refuge, six of them, that first of all, they're scattered throughout all of Israel. In fact, not just scattered. Scattered's uh, maybe not the best word. Uh, they're strategically placed throughout the land of, of Israel. And, and there's a reason for that, and you probably know what the reason is, but let me make sure you you know what the reason is. They're strategically placed throughout the land of Israel, and that's intentional so that they would be accessible to anybody throughout all of Israel that had committed manslaughter, and I'm just going to call it manslaughter so that y'all y'all know what we're talking about. Anybody that was guilty of doing what is talking about here that there would be a city of refuge within range close by so that they could, so that they could go flee to that city. So they, God intentionally told Moses and told um, Joshua place once tr- them throughout the land of Israel so that they would be close enough. That means that wherever you were in Israel, if, if this happened to you, if you needed to flee to a, to a city of refuge, then one was within reasonable range for you to flee uh, to that city. They didn't put one for, you know, like North Carolinians, we don't have to flee all the way to California. Aren't you glad <laughs> we don't have to do that? Uh, put one within their range. So they were accessible um, to the people of Israel. Number two, second observation just general observation I want to make tonight. Th- these cities scattered throughout Israel. Second of all, the, the point of these cities, they were intended for the safety of the manslayer. They were intended to be a place of refuge, obviously. A place of safety where somebody who um, was guilty of this manslaughter, they had killed someone without intent, could flee and find refuge in one of these uh, cities. Um, Because as I mentioned before, if, if there was not some place of sanctuary, if there was not some place of refuge, if there was not some place of security, then there would always be a price on that person's head because of the notion of vengeance that operated in those days. If you if even if you unintentionally you killed another person, then you were, you were a marked individual because that person's next of kin had an obligation, uh, if you will, to hunt you down and to kill you. So without these cities of refuge, these people had no salvation. They had no recourse. There was, there was no way that they could be rid of the danger in the and um, the risk that they had brought upon themselves uh, by committing this act. The next of kin was, like I said, it was obli- they were obligated to hunt you down. I mean, it was like the wild, wild west, so to speak, where vengeance they took vengeance and justice into their own hands, and so um, this was a way of taming that kind of wild notion of vengeance. It was a way to, as I said, cut short those perpetual blood uh, feuds that could evolve or develop between families. These cities of refuge were intended to uh, curtail that practice and to protect the lives of, of these individuals. You know, the... The, the Bible, um, the Old Testament, and I mentioned this briefly Sunday, you know, a lot of people think that the, the Old Testament is a, book of, is a book of vengeance and it's a book of, of wrath, but the Old Testament actually is, is a book of grace and a book of mercy. You know, the, the Old Testament standard of justice is, at, we've heard it, the Bible talks about it, an eye for an eye, Right? And so sometimes that sounds like, it sounds like vengeance, doesn't it? I mean, you take my eye, I'm going to take your eye, you kill me, I'll kill kill you. But in, in reality, hey, in reality, you know what that is? That was God putting limitations on vengeance. That was God saying, no, the punishment must fit the crime. So in other words, it was God saying, if somebody does put out your eye, you can't Kill that person for doing that. There's uh, justice is proportionate, and so the Old Testament, um, the Old Testament system of justice, which might sound primitive uh, to us, was actually a pretty sophisticated and a and a pretty merciful system of justice. It made sure that justice was meted out. Um, that justice was done, punishment was, was given where it was necessary, where it was required by God's, by God's law. But it, but it also looked after the importance. Um, it honored the life of every individual, and it protected uh, individuals. And so um, uh, God's law and these cities of refuge were intended for the safety of of the manslayer, a place where they could go to and find shelter and find protection uh, for um, something that they committed unintentionally. And then number three, third observation that I want to make about these cities before um, we get into them beginning next week. The cities were governed, as you saw there in Joshua chapter 20, by by um, a list of um, regulations. They were regulated. There were certain rules and regulations by which these cities operated did you notice that said so if a if a person is guilty of manslaughter that first they could do do what they run to they run to the city and the city has to do what has to shelter them and while they, when they arrive at the city they have to state their case right here's why i'm here they have to explain to the elders here's the situation and if the elders if there's if they agree uh, initially anyway that it seems this man or woman is guilty of manslaughter, then they have to receive them into the city. They have to protect him or her from the avenger of blood, right? And, and then what happens next? Then they set up um, a case. The case has to be heard. An investigation is conducted. They go to wherever the murder took place. They interview um, witnesses. They talk to people. They, and they put the person up for judgment. And then the people, the city decides whether that person is guilty or whether they're innocent. And if they're, if they're guilty, then they're handed over for justice and for punishment. But if the judgment of the, of the elders and of the city is that they are innocent, that they're um, innocent of premeditated murder, then they have to give that person a place to live. They allow them to live in that city um, they let them live in that city until, did you notice, the death of the high priest. The priest, when the priest died, then after the priest died, they were released. They were free to go back home wherever they had committed, the mur- uh, committed manslaughter. They could go back to their home. So they were governed by some strict strict regulations. So the last question we're going to deal with is why. Why are we going to look at these Cities of refuge. What can we, what can we learn from these cities of refuge? Well, I believe that um, they provide us. These cities of refuge can provide us with a unique perspective on life. And um, in fact, you know, we know that all of the Old Testament is given to us. The Bible says as e- examples, and so there's something there that to teach us. And so question is, what, what do these cities of refuge teach us? What can we learn from these cities of refuge? We're going to look at at least four of them individually. We'll learn some lessons individually from these four different uh, cities and some of the events that took place in these uh, cities. But, but what can these cities of refuge teach us in general? Number one, these cities can teach us that life is is messy, isn't it? Life is, life is messy. Life is sometimes filled with tragedy and with heartbreak, with disappointment, and with disaster. Life never, life never goes exactly like we intend for it to go, does it? Life doesn't always turn out the way that we think it's going to turn out. Tragedy sometimes strikes. Things happen in our life. And these cities of refuge acknowledge that. God, in fact, that's why God established these cities of refuge is because why? Life is messy. Tragedies happen. Disaster strikes. Bad things happen. Sometimes bad things happen to innocent uh, people. And I think that that's a, I think it's an important lesson that these cities teach us is that, that this world, listen, it's, this world is a, is a broken world. Things don't always go the way that they ought to go. Things don't always turn out for us the way that, that we want them to turn out. That's because of, we understand, don't we, that that's because of sin. It's all because of human sin not necessarily because of personal sin. Um, in fact, I mean, that's why City of Refuge existed. It's because this person that was um, out in the field working and um, the axe uh, blade flew off and killed their neighbor. I mean, they were innocent. They didn't mean to do it. Nevertheless, that person's dead. And now they have a price on, on their heads. Life is tragedy happens, disaster strikes, but it's all because of sin and wickedness that entered into this world. Somebody told me the other day, they said, you know, if Adam and Eve just hadn't eaten that apple, we'd all be a lot better off, wouldn't we? And our initial reaction is to do what? Yes, you know, I wish they hadn't eaten that apple, but guess what? If they hadn't eaten that apple, probably you would have, or I would have, right? The reality is, is that when sin entered into the world, the Bible says that now we live in a fallen world. And the bad things that happen happen to us, it's not always, I want you to understand tonight, don't leave and say, Pastor Tim said bad things happen because when people sin. I'm not saying bad things happen to you personally because you personally sinned. Everybody got that tonight? All right. Um, but I am saying that bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. And I, and I think it's a very important lesson that from the very outset God said, okay, listen, I want you to establish these six cities of refuge because bad things happen to good people sometimes. Tragedy strikes. Disaster takes place. And so I think that it's that's an important lesson that we can learn from these cities of refuge. We live in a fallen world. And how many knows the Bible, <laughs> the Bible never sugarcoats things, does it? I, I know some preachers that sugarcoat things sometimes. The Bible never sugarcoats anything. It shows us the hard edges of life. It shows us the reality about sin Uh, In our world, it it lets us see the consequences of human sin and evil and wickedness in the world. So, uh, these cities of refuge uh, teach us that life is messy. Tragedy strikes, disasters happen, bad things happen to good people sometimes. Uh, But second of all, these cities of refuge teach us not only that, but thankfully, they also teach us that God is Good. Aren't you thankful? Life is messy, life is hard, but God is good. In fact, the Bible teaches us that He loves us. And, and so He has not left us without hope. Aren't you glad for that? That God looks on this world and He knows this life is hard, this world is broken, it's, it's filled with sin and wickedness, but I'm glad. I'm glad God didn't say to Adam and Eve, and he didn't say to you and to me, hey, you made your bed, and now you just lie in it. Aren't you glad that God said, listen, this life is hard. This world is, is broken. But God loves us so much that he is, he is not willing to just leave us in this world without hope. And, and without mercy and without grace. He's not, God is not content to leave us to ourselves. Aren't you glad for that? But that he has made provision for us. He's made provision for our pain. He's made provision for our failures. He's made provision for our sins. He's made provision for our for our guilt, just like he made provision through these cities of refuge, he said, Listen, life is hard, uh, tragedies happen, disasters strike, bad things happen to good people, and so I'm going to make provision for those that have run against the hard edges of life that they can go to a place and they can find hope and they can find peace and they can find safety and they can find protection. And number 3, these cities of refuge teach us not only life is messy, but God is good. He's made provis- pro- provision for us. And number 3, they teach us that we are never we are never too far away from God's grace. Aren't you glad that wherever we're at and that whatever's going on in our life we can obtain mercy. We can find grace to help us in, in our time of need. Just as God made sure to scatter those cities of refuge throughout the nation of Israel so that anybody who found themselves in that situation was not too far away from a place that they could run to and find mercy and grace and shelter Tonight we are never too far away from God's grace. All we have to do is run to Jesus Christ. Amen. All we have to do is run to Him and find grace to help us in our time of need. In fact, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is uh, our refuge. It's in Him that we find forgiveness and we find mercy, and we find grace, Uh, it's when we run to Jesus Christ that he's able to give us the salvation and the safety that we desire. In fact, Jesus Christ, the Bible says Jesus Christ, he is our high priest, isn't he? Remember I said these cities of refuge, a person that was guilty of manslaughter, they could flee to the city of refuge and Once they stood trial and they were found innocent of um, intentional uh, murder, they could stay in that city until the high priest died and then they could go back, um, go back to their own home, their own city. Uh, And that was because, here's the important point, that was because under the law, the high priest, when the high priest made atonement for the sins of the people, then uh, theoretically, the sins of the people were transferred onto the high priest. That when he made atonement for the people's sin, and so when the high priest died, then it was considered what? That, that man, that guy who was guilty of manslaughter, his sins that had been transferred to the high priest when the high priest died, his sins, what? Gone. He's innocent. And so he, he can go back, right? <laughs> Aren't you glad that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible says that he took on himself all of our sins, all of our iniquities, and that when he died on the cross, all of our sins, all of our iniquities, gone. <laughs> and now we're, we're free. Thank God that we have a high priest like Jesus Christ And the book of Hebrews says that he's the kind of high priest, the kind of high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That means um, he is sympathetic to our problems, sympathetic to our sins, our failures. He knows, he understands that what life is messy, life is hard. Doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. I'm glad I've got a high priest named Jesus Christ who understands, who understands and that he has stood in my place, and that he has paid the price so that I could obtain mercy and find grace from God Almighty. Amen. Aren't you glad for the cities of refuge? Aren't you glad for Jesus Christ, who is? our refuge, that we find refuge in him. Mike, would you come to the piano? And I'm going to ask you to bow your head, so we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to ask him tonight to help us over the next several weeks as we look at these, some of these cities individually that God will teach us, show us things about this this life that will help us, that most of all, that we will learn from the things that we see, that God has made provision for us and that if we'll trust in him, if we'll we'll learn to remain in God, remain in Jesus Christ, just like those that uh, had to flee to these cities of refuge, they had to remain there, that if we'll learn to remain in Christ, remain in him, then we can have peace. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.